This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mmm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery, so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to episode 245 of the Stacey West podcast. This is a really special Stacey West podcast because it is the first one in 245 episodes where, where we are discussing a manager being fired by Lincoln City. Last night, I was joined by Chris Lamming on YouTube. Nearly two and a half thousand people have watched that video. Let's hope that half of you are going to come back and listen to the podcast. Chris is with me again this evening. Chris, how are you doing, mate? All right. Hello. Very, very well indeed. Thank you. Um, Much to discuss. Uh, It's very exciting, isn't it? It is exciting. Yeah, it is. It's certainly more exciting than some of the football that we've seen, I think, in recent weeks. It's it's strange because I think usually when a manager's sacked, there's there's an element of fear going into the uncertainty. I remember the last time we fired a manager, it was Gary Simpson. We appointed Chris Moyes almost immediately. I remember reacting quite badly to that. Um, and Dave Parman, who was a, a, a director at the time, messaged me and said, you know, it's a good appointment for us. Come and join me in the boardroom one day and uh, and, and you'll see. And I actually went in the boardroom the day that we, Fee and I, had uh, I had a, 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 an interview to move back to Lincolnshire. So it's while I was living in Cambridge. So I remember it. And it seems like a lifetime ago. You know, it seems like such a long while ago that Lincoln City were in the sacking business. But Mark Kennedy made it very clear last week he was in the sacking business, you know, the business of getting sacked. That's kind of what he said. Look, you and I went, well, let's get straight into it or, you know, sod all this kind of, you know, what have you been eating this week or whatever. And my dad going, oh, it's just about food. Let's get straight into the football. Look, you and I did a, what I think was actually quite a good live show, if I if I may say so, last night, um, kind of discussing it and reacting immediately. Has anything changed? How, how do you feel kind of 24 hours on having having had time to let it settle? Uh, honestly, no different at all. My initial thought was I was actually quite pleased about it and was quite excited of what the future might bring. And I feel, if anything, even more so now. Um, at the time, I knew that the public was in a good place off the pitch. We knew that the, the bigger picture and the longer term was was really positive. I think we've mentioned that countless times that the question mark was over the short term, wasn't it? And I feel this just gives us a really good opportunity to to really push on now. 
Uh, and I'm just really excited about it. So that's, if anything, my excitement has kind of gathered a bit of pace um, since since yesterday. But I certainly haven't changed my mind on anything from yesterday. Well, I'm an eternal pessimist. Um, so actually, I've been looking at the fixture list and thinking, wow, well, you know, we might not have a new manager in place by the time we've played. Exeter doing well. Charlton, you're doing well under Michael Appleton. Oxford, we could come out of like those games with no points. We've got Fleetwood this weekend, the tough game. We could be out of the FA Cup. So I'm thinking about interim periods in the past. Jamie McComb losing 2-1 to Bristol Rovers or two, and, and then 6-0 against Oxford and you know, having a pretty tough time. So there's an element of fear in, in the kind of in the interim period um, for me. I also think looking back, I've listened to the Hope and Glory podcast. I've listened to Jimmy Walker and, and um, Mark Hone's kind of comments. And I've read, obviously, Michael Hoyne's thread and tweets today, which, you know, there was a massive undercurrent last night while you and I were talking about there has to be more than this. There has to be things behind the scenes. There's, you know, it's, there's got to be related to the the interviews and the player dissension. And then today, Michael Hoyne's kind of tweeted out that, Actually, it could be down more to the playing style and it could be the developing players and that sort of thing. Um, I'm still inclined to stick with my first thought. I tend to think if you have an instant reaction, nine times out of ten, that reaction is kind of born out of something that you've seen, out of something you understand. Where did you stand, do you think, on on the kind of the, not going to say the change in tack, but the alternative view that Michael suggested this morning? I think there's something to it. I don't think there's much to it, personally. I think that there has to be something behind the scenes going on in addition to those maybe slightly more minor concerns. We discussed the on-the-field kind of side of things last night in, in, in depth. Obviously, we went through those um, statistics. And when the metrics that we're kind of... And the numbers that we're putting out against a lot of those... Mat- I can't talk. The numbers that we're putting out against those attacking metrics, um, if they were to continue over the course of the season, then we were going to slide down the table anyway. So there's an element of that and style of play um, may have got have something to do with it. Um, but still, there was enough kind of question marks over that and enough, um, as you put it, get out of jail free cards with the striker situation, which you kind of think if it was just the footballing side of things, then it's worth giving him another couple of months minimum to get some players back and improve that side for the decision to be made what feels quite swiftly um, and what has come out of the club potentially with without a solid plan in place of a successor. It appears to me that there's something going on behind the scenes that's, that's been building, has come to a head and the club have made a decision to make a change. Um, so yeah, my... my Good instinct to that there was something else to it hasn't changed. Um, there may be other elements. Um, I doubt it's a hundred percent that, um, but I think it's going to be a, a majority around what's happened off the pitch rather than on it. Well, look, people know you know you and I what you and I think, and um, we made that clear last night. And and you and I could talk about this um, for the next hour, which we're going to not solely about this. But we're going to talk for the next hour. Um, but we've had both Charlie and Ben. You may remember those. They are the other people that are involved in this podcast. Um, so we've had them record some some bits for you as well. So just for those listening at home, this initially is the reaction from Ben, and then. Um, if there's anything for me and, me and Chris to discuss, we'll come back to it and then we'll have Charlie. So this is what Ben has to say on the subject. Obviously, the first reaction was shock. Uh, it's not something that I envisioned the board doing from a footballing perspective. Um, they've always given managers time and with the injury situation being 
what it is. I expected them to uh, expected that to be a, a mitigating factor, uh, especially as we saw similar with Appleton, where he was given a chance to ride out a season and sort of leave at the right time. Um, I think I'd started to lose a little bit of faith after the Peterborough game, and that was compounded with Burton, but still thought there was probably time to turn it round. Um, the post-match where he chewed out Danny Mandroyu seems to have been like that final straw. Uh, maybe there was like a sense of alienation that led to it. Um, but either way, it was clear something had gone badly, badly wrong um, during and after the game on Saturday. Um, it led me to... Well, it felt to me, rather, that he'd, he'd used... Uh, Mandroy was a scapegoat for sort of more wider failings, uh, which didn't sit right with me at the time. Um, I'm sure more will come out in due course, but with our current points tally, uh, in spite of all the injuries, it doesn't seem that this is uh, exclusively for footballing reasons. Um, As for what's next, uh, I feel that the links that we had to Stephen Bradley before we announced uh, Mark Kennedy will drive a lot of speculation because uh, I think his deal's up in a couple of weeks uh, but whether there's f- interest further up the pyramid um, that could scupper that and then of course the, you know, the heart says to go all out for Danny Cowley uh, and I think he'd probably have the backing to match his ambition this time round but we know how much control he usually wants and I'm not sure the club would bend on that right now so yeah either way I'm excited to see where we go next um, and keeping the faith in Clive and the board to deliver up the imps. Okay, so that's um, that's what Ben's got to say on the subject. Um, he's kind of got a, a little bit ahead of us with the uh, with the suggestions of other people, the new new faces. So we'll pick up on that in a little while. But again, you're pretty much pretty much as we were saying last night. I think, isn't it from that? Yeah, and uh, I think the point you made about Danny Mandruyu and Mark Kennedy potentially using him as a bit of a scapegoat to hide some of. His failings, or maybe to avoid additional questioning, was was a really good point. I was really uncomfortable with that. I've been uncomfortable with the th- his his most recent three interviews. Um, he called out Sean Rowan after Peterborough game um, for missing a, a chance. He called out Joven in the trophy game, despite a really impressive performance from Joven. And even if he has had words behind the scenes, the lad's clearly taken it on board and impressed. So why on earth would you would you? criticise him after he's, he's put in his best performance in Lincoln City shirt. And then, of course, with, with Danny Mandrew, the guy that absolutely needed needed a bit of backing from his manager in that moment where he's made a, a poor decision. We all know it was a poor yeah, decision. Yeah, he was, will yeah. know it's a poor decision. Um, but people listen to the manager and if the manager comes out and slates him, people are going to use that to influence their own decision and their own opinion on it. If there were some people on the fence thinking he dove in, he dived in a little bit... Um, recklessly, he was maybe eager to impress, he's unlucky maybe to get straight red. If that's the, the, the line people were taking and then they listen to the manager back in Danny saying, you know, he's a young lad, he's still learning, he was just trying to impress after some conversations we had this week, maybe went about in the wrong way, but he's, you know, he's got a future in this game and back, build him up. That takes a bit of the pressure off Danny Mandrura again and, and puts him in a good mental space to come back into the team. If you slate him like you did, it not only will clearly de- deflate Mandrura, that's my in kind of perception of it but also it then just generates a lot more kind of vitriol in the in the support base that kind of then gets stuck into to Mandroyu but again maybe that's just to take a little bit of focus away from our, our kind of on the pitch failings not necessarily in the Burton game because we we had the performance that we expected to have uh, and the game panned out exactly as we expected it to um, bar the red card and the goal but I think yeah, it's the more is- the more recent trends isn't it there is a 25-year precedent here. Um, you go back to the World Cup 98, 
Now, anyone who's listening to this who has had an opportunity to watch the first episode of the Beckham documentary on Netflix, I think this is really pertinent. And I was watching last night, um, Glenn Hoddle calling out David Beckham after the flick against Argentina and then the vitriol that David Beckham suffered in the weeks after that. And what Glenn Hoddle at that moment forgot was that the only reason that England had progressed beyond the group stages was Beckham hauling us out of a, a hole against Colombia with the, with a with a great goal and and you know coming in from the cold and doing well. So I think it was to put that onto our current kind of situation. I think what Mark Kennedy may have forgotten. He's he's called out Danny Mandroy as if we've had issues with him stretching back months. In August he was absolutely on fire. You know he was the reason that we beat Wickham so comfortably. You know, he was excellent against Wickham. And it wasn't just against Wickham. When he came into the side after injury last season, he did well. We're not talking about a player here who hasn't done it in a Lincoln shirt. We're talking about a player here who maybe behind the scenes looks like there's, there's not an issue, but do you know what I mean? There's obviously something kind of going on. or But I don't think, you know, it's not a problem player, is it? It's not like we're looking at, um, with the greatest respect to him, Billy Knott who you know, was was a wild talent, but you could never really tell what he was going to do. We're not talking about Scott Willis, who um, and maybe a bit before Chris's time, I don't know, but who could you know, rattle one in from 25 yards and then start spitting at Carlton Palmer in the next game. Do you know what I mean? We're not talking about that. We're talking about a player who, as you correctly said, has put in a stupid challenge. It was a stupid challenge. It was frustration. It's a red card. But I saw tweets saying should never play for the club again. And then I saw England fans on the on the Beckham thing saying should never play for England again. Well, what imagine what if David Beckham had never played for England again? 125 caps single-handedly took us to the World Cup uh, with the free kick against Greece in 2001. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, just that's just to kind of touch on the Mandroyo. It's kind of gone off on a little bit of a tangent. So uh, shall we now have a quick listen to what Charlie has to say on the subject? So we've also got Charlie on, um, and he had this to say. All right, so my re- initial reaction to Mark Kennedy being sick last night by Lincoln City, I was nowhere near as surprised as many were. Um, it, I very much thought that we were going in this direction. I started to lose a little bit of faith in Mark Kennedy as manager over the last sort of few weeks. And I didn't want to say anything sort of, obviously not Kennedy out, there was no kind of massive knee jerk like that. And I don't think the club made a knee-jerk reaction last night as well. I've seen that comment banded around. I definitely don't agree with that. I think there's a massive ambition within our football club at the minute to move us up to the Championship. Harvey's mentioned it many a times, Clive as well. Um, there's a lot behind the scenes. The fact that obviously we're moving towards more permanent signings. We want a proper baseline squad that we can just improve each window rather than having to rebuild each window. And the idea behind that is obviously to try and push us up into the league above. I, like I say, I start to lose faith that Mark Kennedy could be the man to do that. So for me, I'm actually a little bit pleased. And I feel we're at a really, really exciting crossroads here at Lincoln now because we've got the opportunity to bring in a manager who can get the best out of this squad and that can push us up to the championship. So wait with bated breath, if you like, to see who it is that we get in. But on the whole, I am really, really happy with where we are and I trust the board and the club wholeheartedly so if they believed that getting rid of Mark Kennedy at this time was the right choice then I believe that as well I put full faith in them um so yeah 
I am really looking forward to what the future see so that's quite interesting from Charlie again now I did the podcast with Charlie a week or two ago and off air he was already picking up on Mark's post and pre-match and there's a couple of other things that Charlie had picked up on was things like I don't bother listening because we don't get told anything there was um we discussed off air about the Shadipo situation where you know, Mark told Michael Horton we weren't interested in free agents then when we signed Shadipo said well I'm not going to tell you that we are and was quite sharp and you know so of, of all of us I actually think of all of us probably I don't want to say it I think I had had some doubts for a while i think in, in personal chats once or twice um hopefully you'll attest to this and it's not just me trying to claim it but i i'd put serious question marks over mark you know probably last season as well as this season and i think charlie is the first then of you you three guys to then go joe you know what actually i'm coming over to the dark side as well so and i think that's probably reflected in what he's just said there yeah absolutely yeah you you uh have been proven right once again uh you you definitely did um, have some concerns last season, and I'll be honest. I've, apart from the story you mentioned on the uh, on the, the live stream last night about your ex, uh, experience with him just before you recorded the live podcast last February, um, apart from that, I hadn't witnessed anything directly, of course. So, as much as I respected how you felt, I, I was still behind the manager until relatively recently. I think I was probably maybe the last, really, of the four of us to really. Um, changed my mind and to be honest it was really just this weekend even though there have been things brewing under the surface a few doubts maybe festering there for a, a couple of weeks um i was using the striker situation as a bit of a comfort blanket i think but also it just so happened that on sunday i i looked into the statistics in just so much more depth than i had at any other point throughout the season and it alarmed me it really alarmed me so that in terms of like on pitch issues alongside the Mandroyu um, commentary as a kind of add-on to the previous two uh, interviews, as we mentioned. Yeah, that that's kind of when my mind was really made up, to be honest. So Sunday afternoon thinking, let's be honest, this is crap now. This needs to seriously improve in one way, shape or another. And I'm really looking to see something, some, some serious improvement soon. Otherwise, I might become a little bit more um, vocal in regard to um, my dissatisfaction now of course as it happens a couple of days later the guy's gone um but yeah you've 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 had concerns for a long time i think it's taken a quite a while for me to get to that point but but i was there before he was sacked oh yeah i think when i say concerns i mean the thing is football's a results business and it's easy to have concerns about something you've seen and then you beat Bristol City 3-1 and you go to Southampton and you put a good performance in and, you know, you, you're top 11 in League One. And you, I kind of I, I go, well, look, it's a results business. I, there's some things I don't like here, but he's getting results. You know, I, I really liked Michael Appleton. He wasn't getting results. So it's not about who who I like and didn't like. And I wasn't ever going to come on here and go, you know, start trying to call out, call things out that I saw when we were doing well and at the beginning of the season you know I, I seem to remember kind of saying if you know if we're winning games you, that's all you need to do you know whether you like somebody or not and I remember the car journey from Sheffield United on the way home and kind of saying you know what we're, we're doing well we we tore Wickham apart we we beat Blackpool we've ground out a result against Shrewsbury we've got a, we've got a great result at Sheffield United and then I mean it's it just seems to have dropped off a cliff since then. And I, I think 
you know, it's easy. I, I, I kind of laugh and joke and go, oh, I, I, I called it blah, blah, blah. But I didn't because I didn't come on one of these live shows and call it publicly. It was conversations. But lots of people over the last 24 hours will have been having lots of conversations. And there's lots of people who have messaged me and said, actually, this is my experience. That was my experience. This is what I've been thinking privately. Because if you're somebody that puts everything you think on social media all the time, you're, you, you, you get kind of labelled, you know what I mean? Like chipping them, Kennedy out and, and all that sort of stuff. You get labelled. But it's easy to have an opinion that it's a little bit harder to express, especially when you're, you're considered as this podcast is. People listen to it. People listen to it for a balanced opinion. And a balanced opinion is taking everything into consideration. And when you're winning football games and when you're tight and when you're going to beat an Ipswich or you're, you know, you're beating Barnsley or you're beating Derby or you're going to Derby and, and surviving with 10 men for, you know, 45 minutes, something is there. And I think for me, that's the main point. Mark Kennedy always had something there. There was always the spirit. You know, we very rarely saw a Mark Kennedy team last season beaten. We very rarely saw a Mark Kennedy team um, kind of shrug their shoulders when they were being beaten. Peter were probably the only one. We were very, very solid. That's why we had good cup runs. Yes, we were shit against Chippenham. Um, yes, we were poor in, in some games, and which we'll come on to in a minute. That, for me, disappeared at Sheffield United, and I don't know why. The only thing I can think that changed between Sheffield United and the following league game, which, correct me if I'm wrong, may have been Bristol Rovers, think it was Sheffield United to Bristol Rovers. I might be wrong. Um, I think so, the only yeah. thing that changed was Hacks coming in, and it's not going to purely be that, is it? Um, I, I, you know, it's, it's tough. But that character, that had dissipated, hadn't it, over the last few weeks? Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. And it was really highlighted on Saturday, I think, because we hadn't really seen any sort of dissent from the players. At any other point, we may have had a couple of question marks in regard to Mark Kennedy's interviews and things, but yeah, things like Ethan, Ethan Irahan going straight down the tunnel after being subbed off on on Saturday, like that. You just, we all know what sort of player he's like as a committed player, and he's an excellent footballer. We've never seen him do that before. There was rumours of other players leaving without a cool down after the game. There was just something off, wasn't there? And I think that's just clearly been building. But that isn't something that we had had certainly throughout last season, early stages of this season. That's something that's clearly rid its head more recently. So, yeah, it just brings me back to this, though. Like We talk about the football and there was always there was always something there. Like, so even those pretty shocking attacking metrics that uh, I, I posted on, on Sunday and we referenced yesterday, we were still third best in the league for XG against. There was, there was always something. We didn't have any strikers. There was something to cling on to. I just feel that if it was 100% football related, even though there may well be an element to that, uh, yeah, it, he would still be here for now. But things seem to have just unraveled a little bit. Let's just pick up on those stats a little bit because I'm a stats guy and and you're a stats guy. And and I always say um, XG is important. I remember Plymouth outperforming their XG a couple of years ago, finishing something like 10th. It's when they had Graham Carey and, and I think Freddie Ladapo. Um, and then the following season, they were relegated because they can't sustain low XG and always get results. Brentford, a massive thing made of their model where they can sometimes have high XG and lose games and the board will be going, the X, or certainly before they were in the Premier League, our XG is good, chaps, keep going. They identified players based on their XG. Um, and and uh, Who was the guy that they signed? Is he at Brighton now? Ben Rama? 
Was Ben Rama at Brentford? Am I got he was. Right is, it, is it West Ham now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He went. Did who was the one? Was the one? Did he go through Brighton? Was there a guy that went to Brighton from Brentford as well? Shows when that we don't know our Premier. League. Yeah, I don't watch Premier League football. I yeah, yeah. I, I, I remember reading specifically about them identifying players based on their XG. I think Ollie Watkins was another one. Um, mm. So stats, they're massively important. Talk to us about the attacking stats, just just for people who didn't see your tweet about where we are at the moment in some of those attacking metrics. Yeah. So. What I, what I did on, on Sunday after the game, because I was a bit de- deflated on Sunday, um, and I think all of us knew, all of us had been watching the games, it's no surprise to know that we weren't particularly brilliant at creating chances, but we were reasonably solid at keeping them out. That's what we know. What I didn't realise was quite how poor we were at creating chances. And um, when you come to, to stats... Um, just looking at one metric, so use XG. XG is a useful metric, but it doesn't tell the whole story. It doesn't give the whole picture. Just looking at how many shots a team has had or how much possession a team's had or how many crosses a team puts in. In isolation, it, you, you can kind of, again, make excuses. There's always a reason kind of maybe explaining that number and it not telling the full picture. But when you take all of the attacking stats and metrics into account, that does build a pretty clear picture. So I'm just going to reel off um, 10 or so uh, metrics and just let you know where we sit per 90 in a 1 to 24 league table for being effective at that. So, firstly, our XG expected goals we are 22nd in the league, our, pos- our possession is 22nd in the league. Uh, so, we have yeah, basically the third least amount of the ball. Um, shots just overall shots taken we are 21st, crosses 24th, 1v1 dribbles 21st, corners 24th. Um, there's a metric called PPDA, which is passes allowed per defensive action. So that's more of a pressing metric. It often measures pressing intensity, but it can also um, measure pressing kind of quality. So how quickly or how able you are to win the ball back up the pitch when the opposition has the ball, which then often re- relates um, and, and results in a attack for us. Uh, we're 24th for that. Key passes, 20th. Smart passes, 19th. Progressive passes, 20th. Progressive runs, 21st. And, and this, this is a big one for me. This is the one that stands out like, like nothing else. Touches in opposition box, 24th. And not only are we 24th, we are miles away from the next worst team. So we have had 116 touches in the opposition box. The next worst team, which would be no surprise to anybody, is Cheltenham Town on 142 and then the next worst team are both Wigan and Carlisle on 151. So not only are we bottom of the league with our touches in the box, we are miles away from the next. And that was alarming for me. Um, and you, but you can always put spins on this, can't you? Because, you know, you think, oh, we're getting results. And early in the season, we beat Blackpool 3-0. We actually beat Blackpool with just four touches in the box in the whole match. We scored three goals, but we only had four touches. And if I was analysing any other team, doing like a preview like we're going to do for Fleetwood in the next um, later in the podcast. You're going to look at those metrics. You go, hang on, well, it's irrelevant what their form is like now because they're going to tumble down the table if that continues. That that will even itself out over the table. And that it alarmed me, to be honest. So I thought it was worth putting it out on social media and sharing that because if it surprised me, I'm sure it's going to surprise everybody else. So, yeah, that's that's how we are at attacking metrics defensive ones are, are, aren't quite so worrying but attacking wise 
let's be honest, we're pretty crap, aren't we? Neil Morpay. That was the player that went from Brentford to Brighton. I have been listening. Are you quite right? Per 90 minutes, nine touches in the box and the average um, in the division is is 15. So yeah, six fewer and it's, yeah, it, it, it's not been great. Look, we can go over what's what's happened as much as we want. We've done it for 26 minutes. If you want to get our immediate reaction, you can go over to our YouTube channel and, and have a look at what me and Chris said in, in the um, kind of immediate aftermath. The fact is it hasn't all been bad under Mark Kennedy. You know, we're not talking about sacking here because we're rock bottom. We're not talking about sacking because we're going nowhere on the field. There were plenty of positive signs. I would even argue if our strikers hadn't been injured and if the ridiculous extra time that we played in the first kind of six or seven games of the season, which is now not happening, hadn't happened at all, we, you know, we would be an extra four points up from wins against Bristol Rovers and Northampton. And, and you could probably argue that we, we would have beaten possibly Carlisle. You might say we might even have taken something from Burton with our strikers. Actually, on the field, we're not in too bad a place. Before we talk about the worst matches in Mark Kennedy's reign, let's look at actually some of the highlights. Now, I said to you, let's we'll both pick a highlight. One game stuck out in my mind. You picked it as well. Um, so my first my first choice, and I will mention mention another one. It was the 2-0 win against Derby County. And I think it was still in that time where Mark was playing an attacking brand of football or trying to. It was just before I think we beat Bristol Rovers 6-3. It might even have been the Tuesday before we, we won that game. Um, and I just, you know, it was end-to-end. It was quite thrilling. It was a big club. And I you know, I remember sitting at that match thinking, actually, we're, we're on to something here. Um, you know, Mark Kennedy's he's on to something here. And um, it was a highlight, wasn't it? It was a good game. It was, yeah. And it was a home win, something that at the time we'd been starved of for a year or two, let's be honest. And it was a, a really exciting home win and, yeah, big game atmosphere. It did kind of feel like a bit of a new dawn that evening, I have to say. Um, and it was, yeah, it was brilliant. There's no denying it was brilliant. Uh, we all had a fantastic time that day and it, it made us kind of believe, or just at least to kind of focus on a bit of positivity and kind of think what could have, what could be. Because let's not forget, when we when we parted ways with Michael Appleton, the club was at a bit of a crossroads, weren't we? You know, we'd have such enormous highs under under Cowley. Obviously, we got to the playoff final under Appleton. It was in the COVID season. None of us witnessed it. We didn't have that same connection that we had under Danny Cowley. No one can, I don't think anyone can claim that we did. And we'd then, of course, had a quite a difficult season following that and resulting in that part in of ways. And, you know, a lot of clubs in that situation can kind of go one of two ways. You can either go, continue to, to go down or we can we can kind of have a bit of a rebirth and, and, and start to look upwards. And for me, that was the night where I started to really believe that we could start to look, look upwards under Mark Kennedy. So, yeah, it was a big night. And which one did you pick? Which game did you pick? Uh, that one uh, and <laughs> uh, Plymouth away last season. To be honest, I, I I was superb. I thought it was a superb performance, and I was massively impressed with it because at that stage of the season we had kind of rebranded ourselves to be that kind of hard to beat team, difficult to break down. We'd had some convincing, uh, some some impressive wins. Barnsley, Ipswich comes to mind, but they were very much backs against the wall wins. Um, and let's be honest, we nicked it. We, we defended stoically. They were brilliant defensive performances. And they built the building blocks of kind of where we see us now in terms of where our strengths lie. But against Plymouth, not only were we solid, we had a real attacking impetus and we were so threatening on the break. We had we created quite a few chances, scored two fantastic goals. 
it was a really just excellent all-round performance. And for me, that kind of felt like it was a glimpse into what what it could be. You know, we, we've put the building blocks in place, you know, get the defence sorted, then you can focus on the attack. And we've got the defence sorted. And this was the first time I thought, hey, we've got an attacking, we've got attacking intent here. We've got something going forward as well. We didn't quite see that as often as, as of course, we'd have maybe liked to, but it was just a superbly impressive performance for me, that one. In terms of the Stacey West uh, player rater on the site, two games stand out head and shoulders above the others. One's a defeat, one's a draw. The defeat uh, is the highest ranked, but I think that that's fairly obvious because that comes from this season and it's a defeat against West Ham. But you know, last season, the highest rated game of the entire season was a home draw, Plymouth at home. Well, yeah, highest rated game. And again, I think they were top of the league, if I remember at the time when when they came. So it shows actually, I I almost feel like Mark had his bogey teams and his his kind of his yay, let's get into them teams. And Plymouth, certainly, we turned two really good performances in against Plymouth. You and I were asked to independently pick our worst performances under Mark Kennedy. And we both picked the same team home and away uh <laughs> partly i went for cambridge at home and i remember leaving that was the first time i left a football ground i left the lincoln city ground under clive nates's entire stewardship thinking i want the manager to leave and i remember having a conversation with um, a couple of people outside Gwyn's because i was on a night out that night and the entire talk from reasonable people as well was this is we're just about at a point now where we've got no idea and i think the problem was we'd had we'd had the the pre-christmas high ipswich barnsley bristol rovers going to uh, bristol city southampton we'd beaten Morecambe at home on november the 19th and then there was just nothing and there was this unbeaten run at home that actually became a little bit like a monkey on our back because it was yeah well we're still unbeaten at home so yeah we are but I mean, Charlton at home, I think, whether we put three shots each, one on target, it was awful. I remember the Cambridge game, they looked like they were doomed. It was just woeful. Was it as bad as Gillingham and Cambridge and Doncaster the the, the season before? Probably not. But for me, that was the first time I seriously looked it at and gone, I actually don't know if this guy's got what it takes to take us to the next level. And that was the first time I felt like that. You, on the other hand, have gone with Cambridge um, away. Yeah, obviously much earlier in the season and before we changed our style. We'd had a positive start. We had a few good good results. We were hard to beat against Portsmouth, I seem to remember, at the start of the season. We were decent against Exeter, but we'd had a few draws early doors. We had the Oxford win. And it was the first game where it hadn't been exciting or it, it seemed like we just were nowhere near it. We considered two early-ish goals and we just looked like just there was no chance that we were getting anywhere near a goal. And at that point, we mentioned kind of how positive I felt with the Plymouth game much later in the season because we'd got our system and we, we knew what we were good at and we could push on from there. At this point, it, it was sort of real unknown. And for me, in terms of the longer term trajectory of the club, that for me was the first time where I thought, hang on, are we on a downward trajectory now after such highs that we've experienced over the last sort of five or six years at that point? Now, as it transpired, of course, we improved from there. But that was the first time where I, I thought, mm, yeah, there's not a lot going on here. But there's probably a bit of a nuance to this because that's actually the first game that I was on this podcast. Um, so oh, I was I it remember, really? Yeah, it was. Yeah. So <laughs> I remember it was um, 
so where I work, they put on a, a festival every year in September. It's brilliant. Um, thank you, Thrive Tribe, for, for throwing that. But I remember I was, it's the first time I'd ever had access to Y Scout. Um, I used up all of your video uh, allowance. Yeah, and I you watched did. Yeah, yeah. Every little bit, every little highlight of that game over and over again in in such detail and really kind of overanalyzed it. So it's probably the game I've analyzed more than any out of, out of all this time that I've been part of this. Um, so there's probably a little bit of something in that regard as well. But I remember just in terms of how I felt, I thought, hang on, are we maybe not moving in the direction I hoped we would um, at that point? But to be honest, there was one game, which when you first said that, I thought, I can't pick this one. But the first one that came to my mind, genuinely, was Saturday. Yeah. Yeah, and and look, we you know we we've got to look at an ad break in a minute because as usual we're we're overrunning um, on our on our plan. But yeah, it's quite right. And sadly, was disappointing. I know it's disappointing when in the group chat you are talking about um, talking negatively about the performance when we didn't look like conceding and we didn't. It's it 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 got to a point where it was just nothingness again, and I think. Okay, had we had the strikers, maybe it'd be better. Do you know what I mean? There's a lots of ifs and buts and maybes, and and we've talked about it wouldn't be you know the end of days. I don't think for Mark Kennedy if it was just based on football. But Saturday was really disappointing. It was really really disappointing, and probably I'm um, just thinking about it. People listening at home might go, well, actually, Chippenham was disappointed as well, um, going out to a you know a club from the National League South. So they're the highs and lows of Mark Kennedy's reign. It's time to move on. Um, we're going to be looking forward rather than backwards. What we're going to do now is we're going to go to a quick ad break where somebody's going to try and sell you something that you don't want. You're going to ignore it, but you can't skip it. So bite down, hunker down, have a listen, and we'll be back in a second. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery, so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Brilliant. Thank you for that. Whoever you were selling whatever it is. Uh, somebody said there was there was a podcast about a guy interfering with dolphins or something the other week. Apparently was on the podcast. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't listen back. I can't stand the sound of my own voice. I think I sound a little bit effeminate at times and um, i'm not overly keen on that so look we're looking forward now we're, we're in the second half of the podcast we're looking forward but we are still talking lincoln city manager thank god there wasn't a game on tuesday night this would run into about three hours wouldn't it so <laughs> true we're talking we're talking possible replacements and look we're not going to be talking about um danny and nikki cowley 
for now. Um, there's a potential I might try and do a dog walk video on that tomorrow, but um, he's, that's we're not talking the obvious replacements, I don't think. So I messaged Chris literally 10 minutes before we came online and said, get some possible replacements in mind. I'll do the same. Um, I had the beauty of Y Scout, couldn't watch a video because I still haven't got my video allowance back after Chris watched everything in slow motion back in last September. Um, so we've come up with a couple of names, a couple of people, maybe a little bit from left field, maybe not. Um, we'll take two each. And if you would like to start us off, Mr. Lanning. Yeah, I have to admit, though, this was really difficult. And you did give me 10 minutes warning, but of course, it's not. it's been on my mind ever not since enough. it was announced. Yeah. No, yeah, but we've been looking. Ah, okay. I, that's all I was doing on my lunch break all day. I was doing it while I was at work earlier. <laughs> so, you know, we all have a look into this. And I'll be honest, there's, there's two names that... that, that, that that we mentioned yesterday that the first that come to mind, I'm sure we'll bring them both up briefly. And if I'm honest, you, you can't try and be a bit clever. You try and look kind of in, in, in kind of the nooks and crannies of the football league or premier league two under 21. I think is there someone here that, 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 that really stands out. And if I'm completely honest with you, um, I have picked two. I think they're both really unlikely. Um, I would be happy. I, I would, I be happy and be able to back them both. Maybe, maybe. So these are definitely not, top choices. Mike Williamson would have been one before he went to MK Dons. He's someone I've been really impressed with for, for a, well, a, well over a year, to be honest, uh, but he's obviously recently moved, um, literally just a week ago. Um, so the first one I picked was, was Luke Williams at Notts County. I've been really impressed with him, particularly the style of football he's been playing at a level that doesn't normally experience that style. Um, but if I'm honest, I, I, I think he absolutely will end up championship at the very lowest i think he has got a lot going for him Notts county are quite open defensively which i don't think really suits us but they do play a similar shape that we play at the moment but also Notts county are looking for back-to-back -back promotions there were sixteen thousand there on saturday against mansfield let's be honest why would he come why would he come here Notts county can be in league one this time next season on on the back of some huge wave of positivity Enormous fan base for the level. I just don't think we could attract him. Um, he's a name I'd, I would like. I've, I've admired from afar. Does he fit 100% with what we're looking for? Closer towards the Michael Appleton style of football than the Mark Kennedy. But he's a very, very exciting young manager. There's no denying that. I just don't think we'd be able to get him. No, that's fair enough. I agree. It seems a funny choice. Um, and I, I see the I understand it. It seems a funny choice after you and I sat and watched um, Notts County get beat 4-1 and <laughs> offer very yeah, little in attack on Saturday. Um, there's no I I'm with you on the if you're if you're riding high in League Two, why do you come with the greatest of respect? You know, Notts County are a bigger bigger football team than we are. Um, that's that's not up for debate. They're, they're they're lower than us in the football league, but they're a bigger team. And if they're doing well, there's absolutely no reason why you would, unless you didn't think you could carry it on. So, and also, I wouldn't want him to bring Sam Sam Slocum with him. He's a goalkeeper who um, I cannot understand how he's still playing for football league. So I picked two, and the first one I picked, I, I deliberately haven't picked Stephen Bradley because there's obviously. You know, it's, it's the lazy pick. It's the easy pick, and it's you know, it, it's a fairly good shout because he's he's, he's number one in the bookies um, at the minute. But I did look in the League of Ireland, and I really like the look of Rory Higgins, um, who is the Derry City manager. Now let's remember we will have had dealings with Derry anyway because that's where um, Ocean 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 Gallagher comes from. 
Arsenal came from. Um, and Derry are second in the League of Ireland. They have the um, second lowest XG conceded. So defensively, they're relatively sound. Uh, they've got the top possession stats. And I think that the club are going to be looking at playing possession football to try and get some of those players of ours who are incredibly talented on the ball. We're going to want Danny Mandroyu on the ball. We're going to want to get D Dylan Duffy when he comes through on the ball. Um, and they've got the second highest XG as well. And bear in mind the two teams, the, the one team that are above them on the two that they're second are Shamrock Rovers. Shamrock Rovers who were about to win the title for the fourth year in a row. Um, Actually, Higgins had a really good season last season. Obviously, they were runners-up, I think, in the division. I think they won the FAI, F, uh, Football Association, FA Irish Cup, whatever you want to call it, um, which was was really good. He's, he seems to have done a superb job there. Um, they play a 4-2-3-1. Doesn't technically fit what we've got at the moment because I think that we probably lack natural width, although you could imagine Hackett on one flank, potentially a, a Duffy or a Shadipo figure on the other. It would definitely suit Danny Mandroyu playing in the hole behind a single striker. Um, it would be a centre-half that would miss out. I, I think people have said left-back, right-back. We haven't got full-backs. We've got... Um, Wing backs, but actually, I think T TJ Aoma is a is a solid right back rather than a wing back. The only player that might miss out in that is Las Sorensen. Could you play Las Sorensen on the on one of the wider flanks potentially? So yeah, he he's one pick. I don't think for a second we will go and get, um, but who actually in terms of numbers looks attractive? Yeah, um, I'll be honest. Didn't even cross my mind to uh, that guy. There was there was one place I went when I looked at League of Ireland, and that's the. The player, the manager who is impressing the most. I know you mentioned we don't want to go to the obvious, but I think it is worth just touching on Stephen Bradley and Danny Cowley after our second shouts, because there's a couple of points I'd like to make if that's okay. And the other one that has been mentioned a little bit is John Eustace, um, who recently was relieved of his duties at Birmingham City. Really unfairly, to be honest. Um, new owners came in, wanted a big name. I've got Wayne Rooney, but John Eustace was doing a great job uh, at Birmingham. And has also did a fantastic job on his first managerial spell at Kidderminster Harriers. Uh, he was really impressive at Kidderminster, to be honest. Got the Birmingham job off the back of, uh, I think he was caretaker manager, QPR briefly. He was. Yeah. And then, and then of course, got the Birmingham job. He's a Birmingham guy. Kept them up last season and then had a really positive start to this season. Um, so he may be the sort of manager that we're going for. You know, he, he certainly hasn't been, you know, nothing he's done has been, Negative, has it? Everything he's done has been positive. He's, he's improved year on year. Um, his levels and also the level of the team that he's been managing as well. I don't know. I don't I don't know if there's enough evidence there. Um, but of course, you could certainly have said that about Mark Kennedy at the time, couldn't you? But he's the only other one that I thought had any other credibility. Uh, I looked at Brian Barry Murphy, who was the current Man City under-21s manager. Of course, previously at, at Rochdale, but did take Rochdale down despite playing some some exciting football, but very, very open football. Yeah, I don't know if that would particularly excite me. I don't think that that fits. But he was the only under-21 manager that had any sort of credibility that, that you could take into the Football League, I feel, at the moment. Yeah, there wasn't a lot else out there. So I'm interested to know who your other who your other pick is. And um, one point on Eustace as well, he was the assistant for the Republic of Ireland, which I think is quite interesting. 
And I know people will go, not more Ireland, not more Ireland. Actually, the fact that we've identified the League of Ireland, Jack Moylan, Dylan Duffy, Sean Rowan, Danny Mandroyu, it's not not as simple as Irish players get Irish manager. It's not as simple as that, but I I do think that Eustace would be a big shout. It would really surprise me if he doesn't end up in the championship. Um, And I, I shouted him, I think, as well. I think we both shouted him last night on the podcast. So the final one I've picked is Dean Brennan, and it's a bit of a wild shot. Now, Dean Brennan is at uh, Barnet at the minute, but he's just building himself a really good reputation at Barnet. Um, they are attacking. They're they're right up there for possession stats in the uh, in the National League. They're right up there for XG in the National League. Um, and I, I have a problem with a manager stepping up from the National League to League One. I, and I would love somebody to tweet me and say, actually, you're wrong. But I can't remember a manager going from the National League straight into League One being a success and going on and taking the team massively forward. And I hope I'm proven wrong. Um, Ian Ever, I think, went to Bolton when they were in the... He went from just the National League to League Two. So, um, but yeah, I, I, I like the look of Brennan. There are there are so many reasons why not, but you know, there were reasons why not for Mike Will, um, Williamson as well at Gateshead. And obviously Gateshead were, were far and away better, uh, the, the, the top possession stats in the National League. But, but Brennan's certainly up there. He's 43 years old, born in Dublin, Ireland. So just to satisfy everybody who actually <laughs> does want to see uh, an, an Irishman there. He's worked his way through Hemel Hempstead, Billericay, Kingstonian, Wealdstone as a player, the uh, Luton for briefly, but not really had any any huge success. But at Barnet, he's got a 45% win percentage, played 112, 151. It's a really tough division. Bear in mind, he's got that record in the division when you had Notts County and um, Wrexham owning everything. So he's he's just somebody I think that would be potentially on the board's mind as an outsider. But obviously, as you've touched upon, and, and we are going to have to speed up a little bit, but as you've touched upon... You know, there's two candidates that are at the moment are just standing out head and shoulders above everybody else. You can take one and I shall take the other and I'll let you pick which one you want to take. Oh, well, my heart wants to go with Danny Cowley, so I might have to add a couple of bits to your thing, but I've, I've done a bit of, of extra digging into Stephen Bradley um, because Stephen Bradley, of course, is Shamrock Rovers manager. I think part of the reason that he is a current favourite, he is the current favourite, despite distancing himself to an extent, in his uh, most recent interview, yeah. Um, of course, we were linked with him in the same summer that we were, that we ended up with Mark Kennedy. Now, there were reports that he turned us down. That was the story that came out of Ireland. The club kind of maybe didn't really agree with that at the time, but we, we don't know. Maybe that's a way of kind of saving face a little bit, or maybe that was true. You don't know, do you? Maybe Stephen Bradley was using that as, as leverage to get a new deal at, at Shamrock. We don't, we don't know the ins and outs, but ultimately, he was the other prime candidate that... that was there the summer that we approached Mark Kennedy. And also, I think we are a significantly more attractive club now than we were that summer. So I think if he did turn us down, that doesn't mean he'll turn us down again. And you mentioned you looked into some other Irish managers. You looked into the League of Ireland because that's somewhere where we've clearly got a lot of knowledge. And I think there is a caveat here because Shamrock Rovers do have the best squad. And of course, they have um, the biggest budget. It's not head and shoulders above everyone else. But it is, there is an element of expectation there. But they are achieving those expectations. So um, just to give you an idea of kind of how his teams play, exclusively plays with the back three. We have a we have a back three um, squad. He plays a 3-5-2 or he plays a 3-4-3, three, three, um, but with two tens rather than two wide players. 
that absolutely suits Danny Mandroyo down to the ground. Or he plays a 3-5-2 uh, with a number 10 and two strikers ahead. Again, suits Danny Mandroyo down to the ground. He was Danny Mandroyo was the crown in Shamrock Rovers, the duel in Shamrock Rovers crown, sorry, um, when uh, he was there a year or two ago. So XG, everyone's favourite. Um, Shamrock's is 60, highest in the league. Next highest is 47, so they're significantly higher. XG against is 27, and next best is 32. So not only have they got the best going forward, they have got the best XG in defence as well. They do both parts of the game well. Um, got a joint highest amount of possession at 57%. It's not super possession-based. It's not like 60 70% that you see some managers have. But, of course, they dominate games. Uh, and then the one that really impressed me was the touches in the opposition area, which, of course, was a huge negative for us at the moment. Um, they have 10, they average 10 more touches per match than we do. So they average 19 touches in the opposition area per game. We are under nine on average. An average XG per game of 1.88, 15 shots, six on target. All of these metrics are the highest in the league. So if you're looking at pure statistics, you mentioned Brentford earlier. That's how they recruit a lot or at least start the recruitment process. Um, he stands out. He fits the squad currently and stands out as a really impressive um, kind of character and been able to build that philosophy and that, that style as well. So kind of on the pitch, he really stands out for me as a, as a, a quite a likely candidate and it makes sense in regards to the bookies in that regard. I'm not going to deny though that uh, the person that you're going to talk about that I'm sure we'd all love to talk about for hours is still my preferred choice but I'll, I'll let you take the discussion on Danny Cowley unless there's anything you'd like to add of course about Stephen Bradley. No I've, 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 I think I've kind of discussed Bradley he, he would be my first choice on paper. Um, I don't think he distanced himself particularly well from the rumours, you know, I'm concentrating on the, the next three weeks. Bear in mind their season ends on the 3rd of August. It's the 19th of October now. So we're we're only talking a little over two weeks. So um, yeah. did I say October? Did I you say October? Did I? Okay, yeah, well, <laughs> November then. Do you know what? I, it's, it's, it's been a tough week. It has. Um, Danny Cowley's the obvious shout. Look, that's massively divisive already on, on social media. You know, I've heard people already calling other fans morons for saying bring the brothers back i've seen people saying you know bring the brothers back and and it, I, they, whilst it seems to be divisive on social media i think if they were unveiled at Central bank it would be everything but um i think the people say you should never go back colin murphy brought us out of the, the in in the in 1988 having previously been at the club um at a different level as well albeit on a downward trajectory but on upward trajectory um uh, we've seen it with Nathan Jones. We've seen it with Eddie Howe. You can go back. It, it doesn't always work, but you can go back. John Coleman left Accrington, went back to Accrington, I believe, and did a really good job as well. That aside, taking out all of that and going, are, is this man the right manager to appoint for our football club? Irrespective of the fact that he's been here, irrespective of that romance, you're talking about a young manager still a hungry manager and with Nicky as well but I'll refer to him in the singular you're talking about a manager that kept Huddersfield in the championship and did very well at doing so talking about a manager that did it wasn't a great job at Portsmouth but it wasn't a woeful job at Portsmouth they were still kind of up there and and on the cusp and it wasn't an easy job to go into their football isn't always attractive but actually 
you know, we were relatively attacking at times when we won League Two. We were very attacking when they were in charge in League One. I remember we went to Huddersfield and we won. We won. 4-0 against Southend. We beat Fleetwood 2-0. We were very, very good at the beginning of that season. Actually, everything suggests, taking aside the fact that they're Danny and Nicky Cowley and, and basically I've still got a picture of them in front of me, hit up here right now, <laughs> I've got a signed Danny Cowley. Taking all that aside, they're absolutely custom-made for this purpose. They are custom-made to come into Lincoln City at the moment. The one stumbling block is that when they were here before, they wanted full control. Allegedly, everything was about them. But that's going back to that when they were here before. What's to say that that's going to be the case now? It certainly wouldn't have been the case at, um, at Huddersfield. They didn't have that kind of um, same autonomy, nor at, at Portsmouth either. So, you know, if, if you strip away the divisive nature of the plastics and the cup run and this, that and the other, you know, Danny Cowley is there's every reason why he's got to be second favourite by by you know in my in my eyes. Plus I fucking love that man. He's my he's my first choice. I would not be disappointed with Stephen Bradley at all if it, if that transpired for the reasons that we've just mentioned. Um, and I completely agree a hundred percent with everything you've mentioned about Danny Cowley. Um, but you mentioned in terms of looking back, I think you can't not. And you're right, objectively right now everything you've said is correct, but you can't not look back. And how magical was it? But you mentioned about how him and Nicky kind of controlled almost every element of the club. But let's not forget, they had to. There was no other structure there. What's to say that, you know, that Danny brought in Jez George to help with recruitment. You know, he, he Danny clearly, under, on Nicky, of course, clearly understand the need for the a modern structure in a football club and, and the need for the, those individual and specialised roles, which then would free them up to have more time on the training ground. Of course, they would have to fit into the club's structure now and, and how how much of a, a say they get in that and how much influence they want compared to what they'll be given of course there has to be a an agreement there but also if the reports of a slightly fractured dressing room and, and if mark if the if mark kennedy has um maybe disillusioned some of the staff and some of the players i can't think of any better management duo to come in to bring a level of connectivity and togetherness you know they left portsmouth after a spell where the board deemed them to be unsuccessful. And there was so much positivity coming out of that club, so much praise, so much kind of thanks from the fans, the players. You don't get that when you get sacked at many clubs. Mark Handy's not going to get that from, from his players at Lincoln City, even if he... And Michael Appleton didn't. That's so rare. That's so, so rare. Um, everyone felt they were really unlucky to get sacked at the end of their spell at Huddersfield Town. They, they fit the remit. They went in when Huddersfield were woeful. And they kept them up. So on the pitch and even off the pitch in regard to that just squad unity, I agree. There's no one better, in my opinion, that we would have access to right now. And also, what is key, who's available? We've just looked, we've, we've tried to scrape together some other options. Stephen Bradley stands out for the reasons that we've mentioned. We've, all, we've both came up with some other, but let's be honest, shit other ideas. <laughs> because there's no one else there, I think, that, that really fits it. And, you know, my, uh, my mate Joe mentioned earlier, he says, um, it's like your head versus your heart, isn't it? And he says, you're not allowed to use that saying unless you mention me. So there you go, Joe. I had to say it because <laughs> it is head versus heart. Um, and I, I kind of think my initial reaction yesterday was heart 100% yes. Um, if Danny Cowley is in Australia right now, I will swim to Australia and I will bring him back with me now. Like I, I would do that because it's, that, it's, it's the connection that we have. But even more objectively in terms of looking at listening to your head, I still think it fits really, really well. 
there's just that small question mark about responsibility off the pitch. But like I said, they had no choice first time round, and they put yeah. the plans in place to start the the kind of the path and the pathway. There we go, bingo card. Um, uh, to give us the structure that we've got behind the scenes now. So for yeah. me, the more and more I think about it, not just because it's what I really want, but actually it does make objective sense as well to me. So for me, Danny Cowley is my number one um, target, but I would absolutely be be more than happy with, with Stephen Bradford coming in and would fully back that. Um, Brilliant. There's well, not a lot else there that, that's standing out to me, to be honest. If this weekend at Highbury, a ground that we've never won at, you see mm. Danny Cowley, don't just put on Twitter you've seen him. Take a photo so we know, okay? That's what's going to be really important. Um, there is a match. We've got an actual football match. Oh, yeah. We've got, we've got a lot of them coming up. Now, I'm going to apologise to Ash right now, who I know likes an hour-long podcast so that he can sit in his – he gets home about an hour and then he doesn't have to sit in his car. We're at 57 minutes now. We've now got nappers coming up, and we are going to have to bl- brush over Fleetwood as quickly as possible. Um, but for now – um this is nappers you know nappers well he's always often on the show great great guy from cod's vlogs and he's been speaking to charlie about this week's game kind of feels a bit like a deja vu because we played burton last saturday and one of the questions that we asked to the burton fan who uh, who came on the who came on the channel was the exact same question that i'm about to ask you really tough start to the season and then it's obviously started to pick up but Talk, talk me through that really tough start of the season when obviously Scott Brown was still in charge. What happened? What went wrong? Um, a mixture of things. Obviously, people will be the first one to point towards the ownership of the football club. Mm. I don't think that had absolutely anything to do with the, the ongoing on the pitch. You can maybe rumble, or oh, was there a bit of, you know, oh, the club doesn't know where it's at. But as as a whole, the squad that was going on to the pitch was good. Mm. You know, obviously, you know, you went with Gary, you actually put Fleetwood in the playoffs, I think, as well, because of the mm. signings that Fleetwood made. And you know, the likes of, you know, Danny Mayer, keeping Stockley, keeping Marriott, you know, keeping Brendan Wiridoo, and, you know, we're adding to that, you know, bunch of, you know, talent that we had at the football club. But what was going wrong was we just couldn't, we were just making a mistake and we couldn't find a way through. So we make a mistake, go a goal down and couldn't get back into the game. And, you know, in every game we were in, um, in my opinion, from from you know Carl away, we got a point. You know Cambridge at home, we were poor. We we lost the game. You know Derby and Bolton, we had chances. We you know you mm-hmm. concede a couple of goals. You know when you make mistakes, you lose games of football. Shrewsbury, you know a player slips, they go through, score. A minute later, our goalkeeper gets sent off. We're down to ten. You know if we, if we don't go a goal down, I don't think our keeper gets sent off. Um, and then in chart the way we give away a daft penalty. So it's been a really difficult start. Um, we've improved a little bit. We still look a little bit tedious in front of goal. And when we go a goal down, it's kind of like, well, the rest of the game is ruined, unfortunately. So um, it's been a frustrating start. Um, but I kind of think you need to tell yourself, there's still 35 games left here. And mm. no one points per game. I think, you know, I've hard looked at the table, if I'm honest with you. One, because Fleetwood in the bottom four and two, because yeah. it's way too early. You ask me again, probably at the end of this month, you know, when you can play 15, 16 games, third of the season. Um, but I think on points per game, we would, we would be out of that bottom four. So, so a long way to go. And uh, I, I kind of keep telling myself, well, Fleetwood only need, what, 39, you know, probably probably about 42, 43 points, you know, from the remaining 35 games. And that's really achievable. Yeah. 
Well, absolutely, and I, I don't expect you guys to be in the bottom four at the end of the season. If it was me, you know, no, nowhere near. Um, it is obviously quite funny to laugh at Gary, like you say, he did put you guys in the playoffs, and uh, yeah, very much obviously not there at the minute. But you kind of alluded to something that I, I was going to kind of mention anyway. You know, you obviously do seem to struggle to score into, you know, on the basis of the stats. I mean, your goals per shots is one of the lowest in the league. You know, obviously Cheltenham's is a lower, but it's one of the lowest in the league, and, and stats like that. I, I sort of just want to: is it an issue with? A lack of clinicality up front, or is it the fact that the, the chances you're creating and the shots you're taking just aren't you're not able to sort of break through that final line and get better chances, or is it the fact that you're just not able to put good chances away? You've just nailed it. We can't create, you know, better chances. Mm. And, and when we do, you know, we miss them. And it's kind of like, well, we've been so unlucky again. We've hit the bar a couple of times at Derby, we've hit the post a couple of times. Mm. And, you know, you've got clinical strikes in Stockley, in Marriott. Marriott has actually got up and running recently, three and three. You know, we now need Stockley up and running. We need more from our midfield and more the likes of, you know, Danny Mayer. We've got goals from, you know, mm. wide area, you know, Judy Katerna. Hopefully Phoenix Patterson can come back into the fold at some point as well. So no, it, it's been a it's been a, a weird start in that sense. But I'm just hoping as soon as we get a couple of goals, like you, you know, you win two games and you, you kind of think we season's back on track. And to go and lose four one, if we go and lose at one nil or draw the game or even win it, we're sitting here having a totally different conversation. But I think because we lost four one in the mannerism that we lost. The issue is the. I don't think the issue is Fleetwood in front of goal at the moment in time. It's defensively. It's we're not good enough, and you know mm. we're letting you know letting so many chances. You know players getting behind, and it's been a real, real tedious start to the season. When you say defensively, you're not good enough because it's it, it's something that we've spoken about at Lincoln over the past few weeks. We've kind of had a couple of issues defensively. Is it is it a tactical issue or is it purely just individual errors? Because obviously you can only coach that so far. So what's the what's the kind of main issue in that sense? I, I, I don't I can't put my finger on it, but if I had to, I, I'd be looking at well, look, we've tried a back three, that did not work. We've tried a back four. We haven't got the players to play we want the way we want to play. Now mm-hmm. Fleet would have had I honestly one permanent left back for five years in Danny Andrew. Danny Andrew leaving the summer, we signed a lad on low from Southgate in Adam Montgomery, and he's not been fit, he's played, you know. One pre-season game and one, you know, Papa John's trophy game against Tramia, you know, about you know four to five weeks ago, and been injured ever since. He's been back in the fold on the training grass. Uh, Lee Johnson says so. It'll be interesting to see his press conference at some point today uh, about what he says about the injuries. But you know, we've we've had Sean Rooney injured, and Brendan Wirrido out injured, so we've not really had our best defence out. So I think mm. kind of, I think at most points, I think I think up to two weeks ago. Our, our normal back four, which would be Adam Montgomery, um, Josh Earl, Brendan Wiridu, and Sean Rooney were all injured. Then we brought Ben Hennigan in. We started to play a five again. Well, Hennigan's just come in. He was the only one, and he's only played three mm. games. He's obviously got sent off in the last game, so he won't be playing this game. Um, so we've had them all out injured. So it's been a real kind of mixture of injuries, suspensions, not having players fit. You Because know, when Fleetwood's team is fit, it's a good team. It really is a good team. Oh, of course. Need to put results together, and you know, I, I don't think we're too far off. I think Lincoln are, are better than mm. Fleetwood by I wouldn't say much, but probably by 10 15 percent. You know, when when your squad's fully fit, but I think you're also seeing the in, impact. You get a couple of attackers injured, you know, yeah. I think these screams nil nil. You've got good strikers out, 
you know, this weekend, obviously, you've had Walker out, you've got Ben Alsa, you've got, obviously, Danny Mandroy, you out um, as well. And we've obviously got our, our better defence out. So, nil, nil or three all, I think it's... Brilliant. Thank you, Nappers. Thank you, Charlie. Um, it seems a little bit challenging to talk about a game, but what are your, what are your thoughts on Fleetwood? Uh, on Fleetwood, it's slightly easier to discuss in terms of how we're going to line up because we have we have no idea. We've got some players no, out, of course, yeah. but it's very, very difficult to know what sort of side Tom Shaw is going to put out. Is he going to try and keep things as they were? There's indication that the players weren't particularly happy with that and, and that there's, we're definitely capable of attacking more fluently than that. Um, Tom's also, of course, been at the club for a long period of time. We'll have developed, he'll have his own ideas. Um, so that'll be really interesting, but it's almost impossible for us to to know. So I don't, I don't think there's a much we can say in terms of predictions, lineups, etc. What we do know a little bit about, of course, is Fleetwood. We don't know a lot about them in terms of the new look Fleetwood because they're only five league games into a new manager. They started the season, of course, and uh, uh, Mr. Brown had a terrible start. Uh, one draw, five losses, I think, six losses. They were poor. Hired. Everyone's favourite, uh, Lee Johnson. Chris Maguire's favourite, of course. Um, but since they've hired Lee Johnson, uh, they they lost his, he lost his opening game 3-0 at home to Oxford. But since then, um, one loss most recently to Wickham, but a draw and two wins. Interestingly, only one of those games that he's been part of, they have actually had a higher XG than their opponents. So they don't create a huge amount. Um, they've played a back four. So we're in every single game, different shapes ahead of that. That's all we know. They play a back four. They've got a half-decent squad. You pick them, of course, as um, potential playoff challenges pre-season. And, I, and and Ben, interestingly, had them at the opposite end of the table. And it looked like he was he was definitely yeah, thanks, Chris. On, the, uh, on the money there. But they have improved since then. I also, I felt that they had a strong enough squad to be quite comfortable. And, and their start did shock me, I'll be honest. So they, they have a half-decent squad. They've got some big names that we know about. But they've also got some, um, some really useful players that maybe are less, less well-known. Um, it'll be a really interesting game. But let's be honest, it's going to be interesting because of us. We, we, it's a bit of an unknown, a bit of a clean slate again for us. Um, I'm really excited about the game now just because it'd be, it's a bit, yeah, just a, that bit of kind of unknown about it, isn't there? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I agree. I mean, I looked through the their shots taken and I think Jack Marriott's taken 27 and everybody else is in single figures. So it almost feels like keep Jack Marriott quiet and you're in with a chance. I like their midfield pairing. I think they've got Josh Feller and Ryan Broom are sitting in there. Um, if I remember correctly, are they playing at like a, a, a four-two-three-one or something like that? I can't off the top of my head. I know they've got a single striker up front. They played four-two-three-one or four-one-four-one four, one in every game so yeah. far. So I like that. I like. I, like, I really like Ryan Broom. Um, I think he's, mm. he's a great player. They've got Danny Mayer there, who I think can hurt you, but every year he kind of just fades a little bit more. You know, I think he's probably at his peak two or three years ago in terms of this division. Um, I, I still think when you look at their squads, do you, know what? you you could argue you could put a real case forward for them being still a top 10 side. I stand by that. Josh Earl at fullback, I think at left full left, left fullback has, has always impressed me. I've always liked him. Don't think Streaky Johnson's the man to, to take them anywhere. Personally, I think he's just like another Carl Robinson. He's just a, do you know what I mean? Like I, I'd hate for a manager like that to come into us. Um, but they're going to sense the kill here. You know, they're yeah, going to think this is a team that we can we can kill off. They, they're going to think they're not going to have to do an awful lot to stop us scoring. And that's the challenge. That's the challenge that faces Tom Shaw. If he tells the defence to go out and do what they've been doing for the last 10, 11 games, the likelihood is that we'll concede one goal from a corner at the front post, but otherwise not like, look like conceding <laughs> at all. The key is to try and find out how we're going to we're going to utilise going forward. 
uh, Tom's the thing that Tom I think has got to look at is how do you let one of our central midfielders off the leash? Because Ethan Hamilton for me is a player who I think he's bordering on the best player in our squad. And I love Ethan Arahan, but I've seen things in Ethan Hamilton in the way that he attacks, where he picks up the pockets of space. I think he can play further forward. I think he's a more traditional eight than he is a, a, a four or a six, depending on what you want to call it. I can see that midfield dynamic working really well. If Tom Shaw can get Ethan Hamilton in good positions and get him on the ball, I think he's able to cause problems. He's able to make progressive runs. He's able to steal your yards. I don't want to see Hakiba Delican 10 yards in front of him, waving him forward like he does. No disrespect to Hacks, but I think the Hacks project finished when Mark Kennedy walked out the door yesterday. I want to see Mo Shadipo, uh, Mo, Midi Shadipo play. I want to see, I mean, it's obviously not Danny Mandroyu, so I want to see Rico Hackett play, and I want to see probably Dylan Duffy play. Yeah. And I want to see our players I want to see those wide players. If we have to stretch, we have to stretch. If they're playing four at the back, you can stretch a little bit. And if you're pulling them apart a little bit, you can then get the likes of Hamilton coming through. That's what I want to see from Tom Shaw. Whether he plays it safe or not, I don't know. Um, it, this is a terrible thing to say. It's all about us. It really we is. We can say what we want about Fleetwood. Saturday is all about us. So... That's where I'm going to finish because at this rate, Ash won't just be having waiting for his tea. He'll be sat in his car waiting for his supper. Um, and, and Jack Mulhall listens to us when he goes on a run. And at the minute, you know, an hour and three minutes, knowing Jack's pace, he will already have done 15K. He'll nearly be at my bloody house. If he sets off from Highcombe, he'll be at my house for, before long. So that's where I am. Well, that's been a podcast and a half, hasn't it? it? Certainly has. It's been good fun, though. Yeah, it has. And we haven't covered everything that we could, I don't think. I think we could have covered a lot more potential candidates. We could have gone into more detail on Mark Kennedy. If you want a little bit more detail, although it's not more detail because it's shorter than this, head over to our YouTube channel. I have dropped an article today on the uh, Stacey West about what I think we're looking for in a new manager. And I will be doing the highs and lows of Mark Kennedy's reign in a little bit, um, a little bit more um, detail. However, it's been another big week for Lincoln City Football Club. Um, it's the first time we've sacked a manager under Clive Nates. It's the first time we've had to discuss a manager sacking on the Stacey West podcast. May you never live through interesting times. It is a curse. That's what Terry Pratchett said. I've mentioned it before. I love that saying. These interesting times aren't a curse. Charlie doesn't think so. Ben doesn't think so. I can tell by Chrissy's smile he doesn't think so either. Are we on the cusp of a slide? Are we on the cusp of a climb? Only time will tell. One thing will never change, and that's our support of Lincoln City Football Club, which is where we'll finish for today. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, you've been superb, as have we, obviously. Up the imps. Up the imps. the 90th minute and all your mates around watching the imps on iFollow. You've got your McNugget share boxes on the go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, but then you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. 
and it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.